An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 456. Submission number 691. Baby, I'm back. He's back, baby! Baby, I'm back. Aired on the CBS television network. From January 30th to April 24th of 1978 for the run-of-the-mill 13 episodes. Relisten your crock block. Do we ever cover anything from January of 78, Greg? We've covered a lot of things in 79. I'm not sure about 78. We covered Superdome. That was in January of 78. And... The 1978 Science Fiction Film Awards were on January 20th. I'm a rock it man. And now, here's Damon Wilson with a brief synopsis of the show. I used to live on this street. Seven years ago, I supported a wife, two kids, and three bookies. Then one day, my luck ran out, and like any right-thinking horse player, I ran with it. That's my wife, Olivia. She's still as pretty as the day I took off. Never found a woman that could equal her. And God knows I tried. That's Angie and Jordan, my two kids. I figure I can win them back because seven years ago, they were too young to know what a heel I was. That's my mother-in-law, Lizelle. Lizelle is French for killer. The day she moved in with us, the rats moved next door. I'll say one thing for that woman, she never gives up. Even though I showed up after seven years and moved right upstairs, she still thinks she can get rid of me. But don't count on it, because baby, I am back. So as you heard during the theme, this is the story of the return of a ne'er-do-well after seven years. There's actually a bigger story to that, but before we tell that story, we have to tell another story. Leela Garrett, a screenwriter and radio host whose credits include My Favorite Martian, Bewitched, and All in the Family, created this show with Mort Lackman. And according to Scott Llewellyn in his book, Funny You Should Ask, Oral Histories of Classic Sitcom Storytellers, Garrett created this show to address the social issue of the time of black males not being able to get jobs to provide for their families, whether you chalk that up to ability or the system, you know, do your own research, form your own opinion. At the time, a majority of black males were not able to get jobs to provide for their families. Many, because of this, had abandoned their families, and in this case, the lead character did abandon his family, but once he found work, got his act together, he came back, hence the name of the show. 
The introduction summarized the plot line of the show beautifully, but to expand upon it, Demond Wilson plays Ray Ellis, providing for both his family and a really bad gambling addiction. But one day he went over his head and did what anyone in that position would do, leave Washington, D.C., and took off to California for seven years. Taking that time to really find himself. Well, one day he heard that his wife Olivia and her mother Luzelle were about to have him declared legally dead so she could marry her boss, one Colonel Wallace Dickey, a PR specialist for the Pentagon. Wait, what was his name again? Colonel Wallace Dickey. (laughs) Colonel Dickey. Yeah, as we all know, Greg is like a 14-year-old. Is he in relation to Ari Dickey? Robert Allen Dickey. R.A. Dickey. Upon hearing of his death, Ray Ellis returns to D.C. to stop the wedding, turn his life around, and win back the love of his family. But is such a thing even possible for an alive man who's supposedly dead? We'll find out. But first, let's reintroduce our players. We already talked about Ray Ellis, played by Demond Wilson, who is just coming off the final season of Sanford and Son, as this show is debuting as a pilot in October of 1977, believe it or not. Playing his wife, Olivia Ellis, is Denise Nicholas, who would be four years removed from playing a regular role on the seminal coming-of-age early 70s classic Room 222. And she was on 69 episodes of In the Heat of the Night. Nice. Were you saying nice because of the number of episodes or because it was In the Heat of the Night? Yes. Acceptable. Hold on. Let me sing it. In the heat. Maybe I just shouldn't have mentioned that. Oh, well. Playing elder son Jordan is Tony Holmes, whose greatest role was as teenage mugger in Crocodile Dundee. Was he on the receiving end of, you call that a knife? This is a noise. Maybe. It's been a while since I've seen Crocodile Dundee. Well, but the thing is, he pulls that big knife, and I thought it was in retaliation or in response to something going on, like a mugging. Playing nine-year-old Angie Ellis, the legendary Kim Fields. Oh, tootie of life, living single, the Upshaws, producer, director, writer, actress, do we need to go further? And then we have, oh, speaking of legendary actresses, playing Luzelle Carter, the mother-in-law and the bane of Raymond's existence, Helen Martin, who would be a few years removed from another sitcom set in a DC brownstone 227 
fantastic. You said, wait, 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 wait. You said a couple years removed? No, I said a few years. It would be like, like seven or eight. That, that, that's okay. I just think that's more than a few. Okay. On Baby I'm Back, did she hang around a window all day? Yes. Oh, so it's typecasting. She's that old black woman who sits around the window all day on that show. I hope you're proud of yourself, Chico. On this month. I didn't bring that up. You did, but yeah, that is accurate. But we You do- said yeah, wait, wait. No, you said yes. So yeah, I may have brought it up, but you confirmed it. There you go. But we do get to see her in action. And let me tell you, in the first episode where she's throwing a sponge at Damon Wilson's head, she's got an arm on her, just saying. Playing a recurring role as Colonel Wallace Dickey. Colonel Wallace Dickey, I'm sorry. No, I'm 14. Ed Hall. And just for clarification, we're not talking about the Tonight Show announcer with uh, Mr. Black. Wait. We're not talking about one of the stars of the hit late night segment, Father Biff. We're talking about Dr. Bricker from Medical Center. Father Biff. Just remember what Father Biff says. I'm going to kick your butt. But remember, he's tough but tender. Now I've got the Father Biff music in my head, you jerks. Father? Someone make the theme escape from my head. So those are the major players on Baby I'm Back. Here are their escapades, starting with the original pilot that aired in October 22nd, 1977. Ray briefs the viewing audience in a voiceover about how Olivia and Wallace tried to get married and had him declare legally dead. He, of course, foiled the attempt. But Olivia and Wallace attempt again to get married, causing Ray to try and get himself declared legally alive so she will not be able to marry another person. Because remember, if she marries somebody while she's still married to somebody, that's bigamy. And this is by Helen Martin. Ain't nothing big of you. Can you do that from a window so it's more authentic? Ain't. Nothing big of you. You just crossed your arms. Oh my god. <laughs> Helen Martin is a freaking legend. I so wish this was a video podcast that you could have seen him just holding his in his chest like and lining up perfectly with my zoom window by I should say. You look like Shaq in the Kazam movie poster with that. <laughs> a Shazam is- reference. Oh my gosh. No, not Shazam. You're thinking of the movie with Sinbad that doesn't exist. <laughs> no, no. I'm thinking Shazam, which is going to be Kazam on our network. It's after it's always Showtime at the Apollo. But it's funny I mentioned Shaq has just got his number retired by the Magic this week. First number retired by the Magic. Olivia surprises him by moving up the time of the wedding so that Ray will not have enough time to spoil the ceremony. Supposedly, this episode tested so well and rated so well that CBS bought a whole season, 
put it on Monday nights and moved production from the studio center in Radford to Television City in Hollywood. Hey, we do have a name of sorts in the pilot. Playing an old man in the pilot is a gentleman by the name of Patrick Cranshaw. If you look at his picture, you might remember him like I do. From old school, he played blue. He had this big mustache. You can't not recognize him after you see that. You're my boy, Blue. So after they order the show to series, they reshoot the pilot. I don't know why they reshot the pilot. Probably because it was a little too stereotypical. Because I did watch the pilot and the actual first episode. The actual first episode that aired in January is a lot tamer by comparison. But it basically has the same plot. Olivia and Luzel have Raymond Ellis legally declared dead after no contact or calls for the last seven years. After running into an old friend who updates him in Los Angeles, Ray flies back to reconcile with Olivia and the children. Believe it or not, we do have a name on this first episode, this redone pilot. Playing the stewardess on this plane where he came back, uh, I'm guessing. Eliza Roberts. You don't recognize her from a specific TV show. I mentioned her because she is married to Eric Roberts, which means she is the sister-in-law of Julia Roberts. And the mother of Emma. Are we forgetting about Emma? I care more about Julia. Now, hold on a second, Chico. Emma Roberts is in Madam Web. Now, I know this movie is getting raked over the coils, but we know there's only one reason to go see it. Two reasons. Well, two, but for me, it's just one. I might say that the one reason gives me euphoria. Did you get that, Mike? No, and I don't want to. Okay, tell me. Sydney Sweeney, silly. Shoulder shrug here. I don't know what you're talking about. Google her when we're done. Sydney Sweeney. Like, like the okay. city. I can't believe you don't even know who Sydney Sweeney is. Okay, she's entirely too young for me. Gosh, I've got underwear know, older than I her. I know. Euphoria, White Lotus, Handmaid's. Okay, I've never seen Handmaid's Tale. But the kids love you. Well, it's kind of they disturbing love- the kids love Euphoria, but the kids do love White Lotus. That's all they ever talk about is the White Lotus. Yeah, they all you, love- did you, yo, yo, yo. Did you hear that one member of Blackpink was going to be on the next season of White Lotus? Oh, yeah, because he got pulled because. He was like a Putin guy, right? No, a member of Blackpink is going to be on the next season of White Lotus. Oh, yeah, but they did pull a guy because he had, like, sympathetic ties to Putin. Rest in peace, Alexi. Hey, Greg, did you say there are two reasons you're going to watch that? No, Chico said two reasons. Chico, you perv! Now I, I know what you're talking, talking about. about Dakota Johnson, too, Okay. Well, now you're talking about four reasons, you pervert. 
No, you're talking about four reasons. I don't even know who the hell we're talking about now. Look, I have much respect for Don Johnson. I will not say anything bad about Dakota Johnson. I'm sure she's a lovely lady. Episode two. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. There's another guy here. I totally forgot about this other guy here. Playing attorney Adam Johnson, the man who officially presents the documents to legally declare our hero dead. Bill Cobbs. We talked about him, and we talked about him recently. He was on all 20 episodes of the Slap Maxwell story. I can't believe it. Episode 2. Pay or die. Ray is all of a sudden tracked down by two men who claim they are loan shark collectors for someone who lent Ray $200 seven years ago. Ray must pay back the $200 plus the interest per week over the seven years that has accumulated. Now, I'm not much into geometry, but that brings the amount to $7,280. What, what is- the hell? Interest? Wait, wait. Wait a second. What the hell interest rate is that? I just taught loans to my students this week in financial literacy, and we got into loan sharking, but not this bad. Uh, yeah, it was 10 bucks a week. Hold on. I really need to do the math here to see what uh, type yeah, of percentage rate. I think they that up somewhere because if I'm not mistaken, interest isn't like a flat fee. Interest is like a percentage. Well, I mean, when you're talking about like APR, stuff like that, yeah. But I still want to find out what type of loan this was. It was a loan from a bookie. And he said it was $10 a week. Okay. $10 a week over the seven years that he's been gone. So 52 times 7 times 10 plus the 200. Yeah, that's $7,280. Oh, I'm sorry. It was $20. It was 10%. The interest on this loan was 10%. So that was $20. But yeah, that's supposed to be compounding. So you're not taking 10% of 200. You're supposed to be taking 10% of 200 plus the 10% earlier. So the next week would be interest on $220 and then $242. It's Hollywood. They're probably looking for an easy write. Okay, Chico. Doing a little playing around with some loan calculators. I think I've nailed the interest rate to about 525%. Because you said $200, and you said it took seven years. Now, see, this might be month. Oh, this is monthly interest, I think. But still, it's ridiculous how high it is. But in any event, Ray is threatened and is afraid for his life. He goes to Olivia for help, but she accuses him of lying. Here's the catch. The loan sharks are actually 
actors hired by Luzel to scare Ray into leaving town. So wait, I got all concerned about the percentage rate for no reason because it was all made up? What can I say? Luzel is French for killer. I think Luzel is French for biatch. Ellen Martin is a legend. Playing the two loan sharks, Shake and Rosie. Shake is played by Wendell Wright, who is in episodes of ER, Becker, Freaky Links, The West Wing, Party of Five, and Power Rangers Wild Force. Playing Rosie is Al White, who played... And now I'm quoting his character, Second Jive Dude from the original Airplane. Oh, so Barbara Billingsley is tight with him. He had a more solid role as Dr. Jackson in Switched at Birth from 2014 to 2017. Episode 3, Farewell to Boyish Charm. It is Ray and Olivia's 15th wedding anniversary. Ray has romantic plans for the evening, but Olivia would rather spend a nice, quiet evening with her fiancé, Colonel Wallace Dickey. Dickey. Unlucky with his plans, Ray goes to the local bar and runs into Racine Parks, a woman he and Olivia went to high school with. Since Ray could not have Olivia... He decides to take Racine to his place for a rendezvous, but not without stopping by Olivia's first to see Olivia and then up to his place, causing Olivia to be jealous. Ray and Racine's fun comes to an end when Ray gets a phone call from someone that knows what he and Racine have been up to. That would be a man who is trying to woo Racine named Shaq. But not that shit. Racine is played by the lovely Margaret Avery, who made her career as Suge in the original Color Purple. But the kids nowadays would probably remember her as Helen Patterson in 34 episodes of Being Mary Jane. And Shaq, not that Shaq, but the other Shaq, is played by... John Hancock, who played Deputy Commissioner Hank Bishop in Future Entry Pacific Station. I was really hoping you were going to say he played the guy who put the big signature at the bottom of the Declaration of Independence. Ha <laughs> ha, you wish. Oh, and you guys talked about him a couple weeks ago, actually. He played Richard Armand, the judge, in three episodes of Cop Rock. Oh, that's terrific. I hope he was the judge during the scene where the jury say, He's guilty. Oh, yeah. He's guilty. Episode four. The loneliest night of the week. With Luzelle and the kids leaving for the weekend, Olivia plans a romantic dinner for her and Wallace, who calls to tell Olivia that he's unable to make it due to army maneuvers, but it's Ray who takes the call and manages to use Wallace's absence to his advantage to spend a romantic evening with Olivia. Meanwhile, Luzelle and the kids get stranded on the road after the car breaks down. 
I have an alternate capsule, and it's a real simple one. It says that Ray fixes a leaky faucet for Olivia in an effort to tap her emotions. That happens in this episode, too. Patrick Cranshaw, who we mentioned earlier, he returns in this episode as an old man. Episode 5, Beat by a Drum. After his mother refuses to give Jordan $300 for drums, Ray offers to give him the cash, also hoping this will bring him closer to his son, who, by the way, still thinks he's a deadbeat. Olivia is furious and tells Ray off, then makes Jordan return the drums and give Ray's money back. Jordan then accuses his father of giving him the money to get closer to his mother. I mean, come on, that's just the entire premise of the series right there. Episode 6, The Gospel According to Angie. Angie puts on a church play about the story of Ruth from the Bible with a little twist. Ruth is about to marry another man who is bald at the top of his head, not unlike Colonel Wallace Dickey, until the prodigal son, played by Jordan, returns after seven years and claims that Ruth is still his wife and remarries her. Ruth's mother responds by dropping dead. Time out. Susan, what do you have to say about this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, God, it's been too long. You said it's been too long since you heard Susan? Yeah. She was here last week. Thank you. At least once, maybe twice. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's my goldfish memory again, guys. Sorry. Well, that explains it. It was told that Ruth remarried her first husband for the sake of the children, and of course it is revealed by Angie in front of the whole congregation that Ray helped her write the church play. Olivia angrily decides to leave on a trip with Wallace despite Ray's objections as a result. And Nick Latour, who is in the first episode trying to marry these two people, returns as the minister. I will tell you, he was the counterman, the guy who's selling Turbo Man in Jingle All the Way. Episode 7, The Confessions of Colonel Wallace Dickey. Olivia is all dressed up to go to a banquet at the Pentagon with Wallace, but Wallace and Ray go for drinks at the local hangout, and Wallace ends up getting drunk and shares moments of his past life with Ray. Episode 8, A Day at the Races. Ray takes the children to the racetrack, where precocious young Jordan develops a formula for picking winning horses. Horses. In fact, Jordan ends up winning 200. Ray convinces Olivia to let him bet the money on a long shot that Jordan predicts to win for 18000 Olivia soon changes her tunes when she realizes that the horse is winning the race on television. Now I have a question. Is one of the horses secretariat? No. One of the horses is not secretariat. Because I want to point out everybody, I don't know if I've ever pointed this out on this podcast, but Mike Francesa met secretariat. Did you know this, Mike, that Mike Francesa met secretariat? They see, I thought you were going to make a Seattle Slough reference because wasn't 78 the year that Seattle Slough won the Triple Crown? Either 77 or 78. Yeah, 77. But you hit me with 
Secretariat reference. Okay. Never heard that story, by the way. Do you think Mike Francesa met Seattle Slew too? Wouldn't shock me. Would have been, what, four years later, three years later. Meanwhile, Luzel gets <laughs> fallen down drunk while attempting to cook a French dinner for Angie and Jordan after a day with that low-life father. Playing Jiggers in this episode, somebody we talked about before and somebody that we will talk about again soon enough, Bert Rosario. He was an AKA Pablo. I knew the name sounded familiar. Episode nine, survival of the fittest. Ray and Luzel think they're following Wallace, Olivia, and the kids to a cabin in the mountains, not realizing they've returned home due to a snowstorm and the two end up stuck in the storm. As Ray is driving his friend's motor home on interstate 95, which Greg and I know well. Someone comes out of hiding in a wooden chest inside of the motorhome, much to Ray's surprise. It's Luzel. Olivia and the rest of the clan return due to bad weather, while Ray and Luzel have to spend the evening together stuck on the highway due to a bad snowstorm. Classic case of trapped in a small space. Episode 10, Like Father, Unlike Son. Due to Luzel's insomnia, Angie is sent to room with Jordan, who protests against his mother's wishes by going upstairs to room with Ray, who tries to make him go back to his mother so Ray can have peace and watch a game on TV. Eventually, everyone meets in Ray's apartment and eventually comes to an agreement as to who will sleep where, which brings an unexpected result for Ray. Episode 11, Olivia's Job Offer. Olivia runs into her friend Anita at the Pentagon, who tells her about how great Guam is. By the way, Guam is incredibly wonderful. And how it was life-changing for her. With some mistaken encouragement from her mother, Olivia does some re-examining of her life and decides not to choose between Ray and Wallace, leave her life and job behind, pick up her family, and move to the dry gulch location of Guam. Remember we talked about Eliza Roberts earlier? She returns as Anita in this episode. So she's graduated from being a stewardess to working at the Pentagon. But also, she did the casting in this series. Talk about versatility. And the final episode is where the shoe falls on the other foot. You bet your wife. In this final episode for the season, Ray gets a temporary job in Hialeah, Florida, and makes a bet with Olivia that Wallace could fall under temptation of another woman. Ray tells her that if Wallace fights temptation, he'll take the job in Hialeah and leave for the time. If Wallace gives in to the woman, Olivia must spend a romantic night at Ray's place. Okay, fight temptation. Mike, just sing it. Just sing it right now. Said it. Just sing it. No. Sing it. No. Fine, I'll sing it then since you refuse to sing it. You can't fit the temptations. You can eat them all. This show really sucks. 
It's so stupid and sucks. You know, I'm glad I kept my dignity this time. Huh. Oh, wait. It gets better. Olivia disguises herself as a French temptress to win a bet regarding Wallace's fidelity and proceeds to seduce Wallace with Ray watching at the local hangout. Wait, so he becomes a cuck? Yes. Just like MacGruber. Playing Jackie in this episode, somebody we talked about this time last week, actually. Elena Reed Hall. 227 Sesame Street, Clyghorn. Yes. So, that's the show, and aside from, you know, some clever writing and some clever acting, and the chemistry is definitely there between everybody, the show itself aired on a quiet Saturday night in October, and it drew raves. And according to Tom Shales of the Washington Post, Tartly the Stuff of Laugh Riots and the comic tone of much of the dialogue is woefully coarse, but it succeeds with the help of its leading player. Damon Wilson, chubbier and hairier than he was for five years on Sanford and Son, proves an actor capable at far more than being a straight man to a junk man. And Denise Nicholas, who starred on the old ABC series Room 222, is welcome and refreshing as he abandoned wife, though the character has been written along largely stereotypical lines. The most obvious cliche on the premises, however, is Helen Martin as Wilson's fire-breathing mother-in-law, Luzelle. When it comes to crowd-pleasers, nothing on the program can compete with Kim Fields and Tony Holmes as the two kids. They're not exactly actors, but kids on TV don't have to be. They're just terribly cheering, credible little presences. The best scene of the show is the one in which the kids are alone together with the other characters and their battles, and the show's itchy gas reflex have been stilled. So, the show aired on Mondays in between Good Times and MASH. That is prime real estate, if you think about it. There was one problem. It was 1978, so network execs were not as forward-thinking as they are right now in 2024. The show could have been the best thing to air that night. I, I mean, obviously wasn't because it was on the same night as Good Times, MASH, One Day at a Time, and Lou Grant. But if there was a single cause for the demise of Baby I'm Back, if you could look at one thing and point to it like, this is why the show was canceled. It was good times. Norman Lear, who was producing good times for CBS at the time, wanted one final season of the show, and CBS, not wanting two urban shows on the same schedule for some reason, was happy to oblige the higher-rated good times. According to Leela Garrett, Lear told CBS that he would create another show for them in exchange for that final season. That show was future entry in the beginning with McLean Stevenson. Wow. 
Ask for what you wanted, get what you got. But hey, what can you do? Anywho, reruns of the show aired in the late 80s to early 90s on BET. The show itself was never given a home release, but the entire run can be streamed right now for free on YouTube. Not that this show proved to be career death for anybody involved, except maybe for Tony Holmes, because he didn't do much after, but Denise Nicholas, Helen Martin, Damon Wilson, and of course Kim Fields did, but yeah, a lost piece of black television briefly making a blip in the late 80s and early 90s thanks to reruns on BET, because hey, Helen Martin was back on top thanks to 227, and this is her at her acerbic prime, if you think about it. Did we mention the next regular series that Damon Wilson did after this show? The New Odd Couple. Oh. But that's an entry for another time. In the meantime, Baby I'm Back was really well written and really well acted. But thanks to some behind-the-scenes chicanery on the network level, it just became a thing on TV. We never did find out if Denise Nicholas and Damon Wilson ever got back together, but I suppose that would be the end of the series, though, would it? Hey, you know what's fun? Talking about Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. It's time for This weekend Match Game, Hollywood Square, Our History! Sorry for the late update, this is week 17, this is the last full week of February of 1984, and this week we have Ken Kerchival, Nathan Cook, Deborah Sue Maffet, Fanny Flagg, Robert Donner, America's Darling in 1984, Nidra Voles, Richard J. Porter, and Gordon Jump. Please tell Dudley and Arnold not to go to the bike shop. Now, last week we had a contestant, Mark Bird, who we called Epic Porn Stash Guy. This week, Greg, oh. just say it. Oh, this is the week of my absolute joy from this show. A contestant that I refer to as Katie DeZameda. And why do you call her that? Because look at her hair. It's lovely. Look at her smile right here in my Zoom background. She's a lovely woman. She is an absolute darling. And you can tell when you watch her, she is just as beautiful inside as she is outside. She's a good sport. She's a good player. It's a shame we only had her for two episodes, but... No, three! Oh, three episodes! Oh, even better! So this week, the telephone match continued, and the telephone match, in case you forgot, they wanted to find five winners. So it continued until they had five winners, and they got the fifth winner in this week. In terms of head-to-head match wins this week, John Bauman won our dear Katie $10,000 on the Monday episode. John won another person $5,000 on the Wednesday episode. 
Then Nathan got into the act winning $5,000 on Thursday. And finally, Nathan, he matched John for the week. He gave away $10,000 on Friday. So John and Nathan both gave away $15,000 that week. Next week, though, no Katie the Tomato, obviously, so we can't fawn over her. But we have one of those memorable weeks. Not going to spoil it, but it's one of those weeks not unlike, say, Believe It Beaver Week. Except no Gallagher. And no smashing of watermelons and hitting Richard Deacon in the face. Chico, here you go. Wrap up the episode. Well, as much as I want to look at Katie the Tomato, we got to close out the episode. So we'll just say all of our episodes are available. And it was a thing on TV. We're talking about 455 mainline episodes, plus all of the bonus materials. All the mini-sodes, live watches, the whole works. We're on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, where it's It Was A Thing On TV podcast. And remember, if you're following us on Mastodon, search for It Was A Thing On TV at tvwatch.party. And of course, the Friday drops every week at Place of Media Pop. If you're listening to this on Friday, man, what a amazing week of shows we've done but hey we got more stuff to come next week but before we do that remember you can subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts we streamed it for apple podcast tune in iheart audible etc and if you're on the youtube don't forget to smash the like button subscribe to our channel hit that notification bell so you can stay up to date on all future uploads, including us wrapping up our Tribute to Black History Month with CBS looking for its own Mr. Black. And we talked about it in passing in the first episode this week. What happens when you give two beloved entertainers a show? And also, one of the kids ends up becoming... A nerd in the future? Hmm? But that's not all. Because my dear friend Mike, the man who shares my love of game shows, trivia, and a whole lot of other things, is celebrating a birthday. And he's inviting us to get absolutely mental. But this man is a very decent guy, I must say. He's a little bit obsessed with Pat Sajak, I must say. You're talking about the TV show and not me. Yes, we're talking about Ed Grimley, Stilly. I know, I just wanted to clarify for the listeners. That is coming up next week, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Let me say that one more time loudly. R. A. Second. He could just say it, could he? No, that's vintage doggy right there. Dang.